Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand as our campuses join with us over in Appleton and Stevens Point. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us. And again, good morning to those over in Appleton and Stevens Point. Good to have you with us. I want to remind you as we're coming now out of summer, boo, <laughs> getting back into the normal swing of life and school and everything, uh, a slight adjustment to our normal weekly schedule. We are doing Wednesday nights once a month. It's called First Wednesdays. Now, the youth will continue to meet, but uh, the rest of us will not on every Wednesday night, but we will gather on the first Wednesday and have a great time of celebrating and focusing. The reason is to give more time and for people to connect in smaller groups because we feel it's when you really get to connect with people and really care for people is when we can really grow together as a community, which is what we want to do. Some have said, well, so we're not going to be teaching any more uh, verse by verse. Actually, I'm considering still doing that anyway. I might actually just do a weekly thing online and uh, continuing that. And at your own leisure, you can join in with me for those of you who want to really continue to study the scriptures together with me because there's power in that. It is a life-changing experience. So keep all of that in mind. Now, we are continuing our series on the significant events of the Old Testament. Uh, we started out in Genesis, show how everything got to the way it is today, and then how the nation of Israel was given birth to, and how God miraculously brought the Israelites out of Egypt and did incredible miracles, how he finally sent them into the promised land, and everything, everything got established. Uh, he basically said, now live life, man. Do the right thing. Uh, if you do the right thing, I'll bless you. If you don't, I will punish you. And as we've been reading, most of the time they... <laughs> did the wrong things, and they get their butts hammered, and then God would raise up different individuals uh, to lead the nation out of trouble when they would come back to him, and he would bless them again. They were called judges, so we are in the book of Judges in the Old Testament, not doing every judge, but we hit so far uh, just a couple of them, and today, probably the most famous one is Samson. So we're going to be looking at Samson. Now, Samson is... Uh, really kind of a fascinating situation. Usually, God would come along and pick uh, a guy. One was a woman, Deborah. Uh, God uh, doesn't mind whoever you are. He can use anybody. And, uh, and would raise them up, and they would fight against their enemies, and, and, and whenever God, you know, they would repent and come back to God. And then peace would come, but then they would always fall back into the same patterns again. So again, he'd grab somebody, you know, and then they'd go uh, have a great victory. Now, with Samson, it's really different. This is really kind of a long-term situation. Um, uh, he has much of a long-term plan with Samson. He calls Samson before Samson is even born. It's really fascinating. Uh, and while most 
uh, of these accounts, there would be one leader who would take everybody to go fight. This time, the only person who does any fighting this entire section is just Samson. It's a complete turn off, which really, one of the interesting things is you look throughout the Bible, God rarely does the same thing twice. He likes to do things differently. He just does. You know, you think you can put God in a box. You know, uh, we need a formula. How do we get, you know, if I just do this and just do that, and a lot of Christians are into formulaic Christianity. And it generally doesn't work because God isn't going to follow your stupid formula. God is bigger than that. Well, he did that once before. Well, he's likely not to do it again. He does it differently. It's just, it is what it is. We just need to come to faith and trust him. People are always looking for formulas. One of the <laughs> more popular ones around Green Bay that I've seen is when people want to sell a house, they want to take a statue of a saint and bury it in the backyard or something because they're convinced that's the formula to sell a house. No, there's that first of all. <laughs> Don't be sticking saints in the ground. What the heck is, you know, just, you know, but stop with the whole formula thing. So, well, how do I get answers? Pray, talk to God. Let God move in your life. So anyway, this time it's very, very different. We pick up the story in uh, Judges, the 13th chapter, familiar start. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now, as I've been pointing out to you, these aren't just naughty people who don't go to church every Sunday like half of our congregation, all right? <clears throat> This is, you're naughty, by the way. Don't do that. Go to church. So anyway, um, it, these, they were nasty. They would get involved in paganism to the extreme that they would even sacrifice their own children to these gods, these false gods. And it was bad. It was really, really bad, like you cannot imagine. When it says they did evil, this is not some small deal. And again, so they would turn their back. They seem to have this problem, as I've spoken many times now, about passing their faith on to their children. We still struggle today with that. We get very devout, we follow Christ, and then somehow we just get slack passing the faith on. We, what we want to do is encourage you and show you how to pass your faith on to your kids so that this thing continues in strength. There's no reason to keep uh, falling back into bad patterns. If anything, in the Christian faith, we should come along and break bad patterns. Somebody say amen. All right? So, so anyway, they did evil. So the Lord, you know, let them fall into the hands of the Philistines, and they got hammered for 40 years, a long time. They were really in a bad place. Well, a certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth, the angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are barren and childless, but you're going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you, are, that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. There go the bacon sandwiches. <clears throat> you will become pregnant and have a son whose head will, is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So they're bringing an answer, but it's not a very quick answer. You know, it wasn't like instant delivery. It's like, all right, you're going to get pregnant. This kid's going to be born. He's going to grow for 20 years or so, and then I will deliver you. Ugh. So, uh, and he was a Nazarite. Now, what is a Nazarite? Nazarite is something that Moses put in. He says, if you want to do a special thing where you want to really uh, make a commitment to God, you make a vow to God, uh, uh, these are the rules. Number one, no wine, and, and, and it included grapes and raisins. I mean, nothing. In fact, they couldn't even touch the peel of a grape. I don't know who peels their grapes, but the peel of a grape, or even the seed. You couldn't touch any of that. I mean, zero. 
Number two, they weren't supposed to cut their hair. The whole time they're doing their vow, they weren't supposed to cut their hair. The vow, I think, was kind of up to them, however long you want to do this vow. And the other thing is you had to avoid corpses, which I am all for, even though I'm not a Nazarite. So you, cor no corpses. You couldn't go by graves, uh, even if it was your own family. You couldn't go by them. I mean, it was really strict. And, and it was so strict that, let's say, you were on a one-year, whatever, you know, vow, and you were going to be a Nazarite for this vow, and if some guy just happens to drop dead next to you toward the end, you got to start all over again. I would stay away from people. All right? So anyway, so you couldn't be around dead people, you couldn't drink anything, and you couldn't cut your hair. This was the Nazarite vow. Now, interestingly enough, uh, Samson... Um, clearly was around dead people because he was killing them. Uh, secondly, uh, he had a little problem with the, you know, all right, like half the city of Green Bay and Appleton and Stevens Point. Stevens Point's more like two-thirds. So anyway, uh, so, but for some reason, that didn't, didn't break the thing. It was the hair. Why? I don't know. But let's read the story. So the woman gives birth to a boy, names him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir in him. Now, here's what's an interesting thing. An angel had appeared to his mom, and eventually dad also saw this angel. Uh, but unlike all these other encounters, God never speaks or appears or sends an angel anything to Samson. It would say the Spirit of the Lord would stir in him or the Spirit of God would fall on him. I think Samson was more shocked than anybody when it did. He wasn't a particularly devout young man uh, and really had never experienced anything dramatic in terms of any kind of spiritual revelation. It's really fascinating. This whole thing is very, very different than everything that we've seen so far. Okay, so we, the very next chapter, so he's born, boom, we get to chapter 14. We don't know how old he is, but he's old enough that he's, you know, interested in girls. And this, this was another one of Samson's problems. So we pick it up, next verse in, in uh, chapter 14. Samson went down to Timnah and there saw a young Philistine woman. Ooh, she's pretty, all right? And he returns and says to his dad, Mom, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. I go down there and get her. Go get her for my wife. And, uh, and his mother and father replied, Son, isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get her? Remember, they were, were at war with the Philistines. The Philistines were tormenting them. And now he wants a girl, and he sees a Philistine one. And he, they're trying to reason with him, but uh, he would not be deterred. Samson said to his father, get her for me. She's the right one for me. <laughs> How many times do we hear this, right? Well, uh, so Samson went down. Now, the Bible says here that God is actually using this because he wants Samson to get involved with the Philistines because he's going to get into battles with the Philistines. So God even uses some of his issues, which is good for those of us who have issues. <laughs> even if you have issues, what's, what's my issue? There's a long list, and it can vary. Whatever your issue is, God can even use your crazy issue to advance his kingdom. Somebody say, thank God. Thank God. All right. So, so Samson goes down to Timnah together with his father and mother, because they're going down there, and he wants, dad's got to set up the you know, marriage situation. So anyways, they approached the vineyards of Timnah. Suddenly, a young lion came roaring towards him. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. 
I can't tear a goat. Who tears a goat? Apparently this was common. You got a goat, rip, rip, rip. I don't know. But lions were tough. And this, this lion comes out, and all of a sudden something happens to him that never happened before. I mean, he was probably as shocked as anybody, right? And, you know, whenever they, they have the movies of Samson, they always have some big, you know, rip, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. It doesn't say that about him. In fact, the Bible often will make a comment if someone, something remarkably physical characteristic about somebody, and it says nothing about Samson. He might have been a scrawny Puerto Rican like me. I have no idea, all right? All of a sudden, boom, and this strength is, and he rips this line apart with his bare hands. And it's like, whoa, what was that? And he didn't tell his mother and father what he'd done, probably because he's freaked out. So then he went down, and they talked with the woman, and he liked her. <laughs> well, sometime later, when he went back to marry her, because they set this thing up, he turned aside, and he sees this lion's carcass. And in it, he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. So this carcass, I'm sure it had been picked over by animals, and so whatever was left, some bees went in there and put a, you know, and they made some honey. So he scoops out the honey with his hands, and he eats it as he goes along. When he rejoins his parents, he gave them some. They ate it too, but he didn't tell them where he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. Now his father went down to see the woman, and there Samson had a feast, as was customary for young men. It's their bachelor party, and everybody's together. And when the people saw him, they chose 30 men to be his companions. Apparently had very large wedding parties. So <laughs> he's got 30. And uh, so Samson's partying with the guys. And Samson says, let me tell you a riddle. If you can give me the answer within the seven days of the feast. So, you know, we have a wedding, it's like, you know, a one-day deal, or they're getting shorter and shorter, which I give thanks to God for, <clears throat> because I don't really want to sit there all day. So anyway, they're, they're in the shorter weddings, and, and, but back in the day, you went to a wedding, it was like days, a week-long celebration. So this one is a particular seven-day party. He says, if you can give me the answer by the end of the seven days, I'll give you 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes, which was basically the currency of the day. That's a lot of money. If you can't tell me the answer, you have to give me 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. I said, okay. You know, boys, yeah, okay. Tell us your riddle. Let's hear it. And then Samson says, out of the eater, something to eat, out of the strong, something sweet. What am I talking about? He's talking about this lion, right? So for three days, they could not give the answer. Well, on the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, the girl he's going to marry, he says, coax your husband into explaining the riddle for us, or we will burn you and your father's household to death. <laughs> These people should have never been invited to the wedding. You, you know, we all have relatives. You wish they didn't show up. But when people show up, they're going to burn you to death as an option. This is not good. These people are very barbaric people. So we're going to burn you and your father's household to death. Which, by the way, they eventually do anyway. I'll tell you the rest of the story. We'll keep going here. So, so what? You, you invite us here to steal our property? You know, and she had nothing to do with it. You're a bunch of dumb idiots. I probably sit around drinking and come up with this bet. <laughs> okay. Well, Samson's wife threw herself on Samson, sobbing. <laughs> you hate me. You hate me. You don't really love me. You've given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. He said, well, I haven't even explained it to my mother or father. Why should I explain it to you? And she cried the whole seven days of the feast. <laughs> oh, good Lord. I'd say, burn her. And no, I wouldn't do that. 
<laughs> I would pray or something. I don't know. Anyway, so anyway, so she's just like a continual dripping faucet, crying to him for seven days. On the seventh day, he finally says, okay, because she continued to press him. And then she, in turn, explained the riddle to her people. I say, why'd she do that? They were going to burn her to death. High motivator. Anyway, before sunset on the seventh day, the men of the town comes to Samson and said, what's sweeter than honey? What's stronger than a lion? Ooh, Samson was mad. He immediately knew, I told that whining, drippy chick. And she told them. And he says to them, if you had not plowed with my heifer, Well, there's a term of endearment. <laughs> hey, heifer, give me a beer. You know, try that at home this afternoon. See how that goes over. <laughs> if, you, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you wouldn't have solved my riddle. Well, then the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. Do you know why? Because he was ticked off. This is fascinating. We'll talk more about that in a second. I mean, that lion comes at him. He's and just boom, the spirit of God. Anything that would get him fried... All of a sudden, this power would come on him. So now he's got to come down. He's got to get 30 sets of clothes. Well, he doesn't have 30 sets of clothes. He doesn't have money. So he's a, he, he goes out. He's ticked off. And he finds 30 guys. And he stripped them of everything. <laughs> and gave their clothes to those who explained the riddle. OK. Well, burning with anger, he returned to his father's house. He's seriously ticked off. Well, back at the ranch, they're having a wedding. Seven days, the seventh day. Where's the groom? They got no groom. So Samson's wife was given to one of his companions who attended the feast. So they're like, where is he? I don't know. Anybody want her? And I'll take her. You know, so they got up there. They got married. Seriously, this is what they did. Well, Samson doesn't know anything about this. Later on, at the time of the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat to visit his wife, which every woman loves. <laughs> Nothing says I love you like a young goat. All right? So he says, I'm going to go to my wife's room. Well, the dad says, no, 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 no. You can't go in there. He says, I, I'm so sure you hated her. So I gave her to your companion. Besides, isn't her sister younger and more attractive? Take her. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, Samson said to them, because he's mad. Now he gets mad again. Well, this time I have a right to get even with the Philistines. I'm going to really hurt them. You see what? Samson was always ticked off. That was his primary motivation. They figured out his riddle and ticked him off. They gave away his bride. They ticked him off. They eventually kill the bride of the family. That ticks him off. Then she'll cut out his eyeballs. We'll get there. That ticks him off. He was always mad about something. He was what we would call an ill willy. Here's the word of the day, children. Ill willy. What is that? It's, it's an English word for a person who has an unfriendly disposition. <laughs> don't be an ill willy. If your husband gets grumpy today, say, don't be an ill willy. Quit whining about stuff. Anyway, the good news is God can even use a grump. You shouldn't be a grump, but even God can deal with your issue. Somebody said amen. All right, so. He's ticked off. 
So he goes out and he catches 300 foxes. That's a lot of foxes. It'd be like a plague of foxes, wouldn't it? How can you get so many foxes? So and he's you know, super mad at this point. He goes around, he's ticked off, and he can do anything. He grows, he grabs all these foxes. These foxes are probably freaking out. And then he, he, he ties their tails together in pairs. Ow! And then he fastens a torch to every pair of tails. And he lit the torches, and he let the foxes loose in the standing grain of the Philistines. So he burns up all their shocks, stocks, and, and, and grain, and the vineyards, and the olives. Grows. I mean, he trashes everything. So, so he got 150 pairs of foxes on fire, running for their lives. And they're burning everything. And they destroy, that's a lot of money. Now, the Philistines are seriously ticked off. So the Philistines said, who did this? And they were said, Samson. The Timnite's son-in-law, because his wife was given to his companion, which is true. He was ticked off about it. So the Philistines go, and they burn her and her father to death. Barbaric. They're barbaric, these people. They are insane. So Samson says, since you've acted like this, I swear I won't stop till I get my revenge on you. So he's ticked off again. And he attacks them viciously and slaughtered many of them. I don't know how many is, but I think it was a lot. I think he was going around and he was just wreaking havoc on these Philistines who had been torturing the Israelites. See, now they're stopping to torture the Israelites because they got a problem. There's this dude who's wrecking everything and he's killing people and he's burning everything down. He's got a really bad attitude. He's an ill willy, all right? And he's just causing all these problems, which is taking the boot that's on the neck of the Israelites off because they're focusing all their attention on Samson and Samson is giving them all kinds of grief. Well, then he went down and he stayed in a cave in the rock of Edom. Well, the Philistines went up and camped in Judah, which is where the Israelites are, and spreading out near Lehi, the people of Judah said, well, why have you come to fight us? This big army gathers. He said, well, we've come to take Samson prisoner. They answered, to do to him as he did to us. Now, we don't know how many guys are here. At a minimum, there's a 1,000. Uh, but there's probably thousands that are there. They rally the army to go get one guy. One guy. And so uh, they took 3,000 men from Judah, 3,000 of the Israelites. That's a big delegation. They went down to the cave because they knew where Samson was. And they said to Samson, don't you realize the Philistines are rulers over us? What have you done to us? And he answered, I merely did to them what they did to me. This is his motivation. And they said, listen, we've come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. Samson says, well, swear to me you won't kill me yourselves. Agreed. We will only tie you up and hand you over to them. We will not kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes, led him up the, the rock. So he's all tied up. They got him bound up tight. And as he approached Lehi, the Philistines see him, and they come running at him, shouting, Rah! they hate this guy. He's been killing people. He's been destroying the crops. He is a one-man plague. He is the Rambo of the day on these bad dudes, and they are mad. And they see him, and they come roaring at him. And the Spirit of the Lord comes powerfully on him. Why? Again, because he's ticked off. I'm not encouraging you to be ticked off. I'm just saying this is what was happening. 
Well, the ropes of his arm became like charred flax. They didn't change. It's just he became so strong. The bindings just dropped off his hands. He just ripped it like they were nothing because all the strength comes on him. And he turns around. He needs a weapon. He's got at least a thousand guys coming at him, probably thousands. And he finds, finds the fresh jawbone of a donkey. And he grabs it. And he goes to battle and he strikes down a thousand men. Now, I hope they got instant replay in heaven because I got to see this. They are coming. This is an army. They've got weapons. They are attacked. Actually, there's a new uh, movie about Samson that's really pretty good. Usually, they always mess it up. And they mess it up a little bit. But it's fairly accurate. And they've got a great scene where they, he is judo chopping these guys, man, <laughs> and wiping a thousand men. Again, there were probably more at some point when you see one guy take a thousand, you go, you know, I got something to do, and I leave. So these guys, they're, they're taking off, and Samson is sitting there, and he wipes out a thousand men with nothing but the jawbone of a donkey in his hand. Whew. So this is, I mean, he is creating all. And again, the positive thing for the Israelites now is they're not bothering the Israelites anymore. They are in a panic about what to do with this guy. He has undoubtedly killed thousands by this time, creating all this turmoil in the country, breaking everything. Well, then sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the Valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Oh, she's so pretty. All right, the boy had issues. Well, the ruler of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength, because they can figure this out. So how we can overpower him so we can tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. That's a lot of money. So she's offered all this money. So Delilah says to Samson, hey, big boy, uh, I really love you, and you're my best friend, and can you tell me uh, the secret of your great strength so I can tie you up and kill you? And Samson says, well, because he's just playing with her, well, if anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become weak as any other man. So he just tells her this story. Well, then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she tied him with them. The men hidden in the room, with men hidden in the room, she calls out, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He wakes up, and he just breaks the bowstrings as early as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Now, right there, I'm looking for a new girlfriend. <laughs> okay? I tell her this goofy story. She, I, she ties me with this. All of a sudden, the Philistines are there. He stays there with her. Okay? Then Delilah said, instead of him being ticked off at her, she gets ticked off at him. You've made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come on, tell me how you can be tied. And he keeps playing with it. He says, well, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll be weak as any other man. So Delilah takes new ropes and tied him with them. Then, with men hidden in the room, she calls, Samson, the Philistines are on you. But he snaps the ropes as if they were threads. Delilah says to Samson, all this time you've been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. He said, well, if you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric of the, on the loom. You know what a loom is, right? Weave it in the loom and uh, uh, tie it with a, with a pin. You know, that's, 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 I'll become weak as any other man. So while he's sleeping, now undoubtedly, the Bible isn't saying this. The dude, obviously, not only is he sleeping with a woman, he's got to be getting drunk as a skunk. Okay? 
I sleep pretty hard. I'm pretty sure if someone's tying me up, I'd wake up. You know, if you're taking my hair, which, you know, and putting it in a loom, I think I'd wake up. Wouldn't you wake up? No, he's sound asleep the whole time, probably because he's plastered out of his ever loving mind. So, while he's sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into the fabric, and tightened it with a pin. And again, she calls him, Samson, the Philistines are on you. He awakens from his sleep, ah, with a headache, no doubt. He pulls up the pin in the loom with the fabric. I mean, and the Philistines all go running, ah. And then she said to him, how can you say, I love you, when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day after day after day until he was sick to death of it. Now, when your girlfriend is getting mad at you because you won't tell her how she can kill you, you need to move on. Why doesn't he move on? Why do people stay in bad relationships like this? Overwhelmingly is because they start having sex with these people. It's one of the things we always warn you about. It's not that God's a prude. It's just, it's stuff. It's just not a good way of doing things. Because sex will make you stupid. It will. Dumb as a brick. Now, in a way, it's supposed to. Sex is the Novocaine that makes marriage possible. Right? You want your brain numbed up. You know what I'm saying? You can't handle this. So, so it's a good thing when you're married. When you're not married, it'll make you stupid. And you say, oh, not me, not me. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Because people state that you won't see things clearly when you're doing this. You want to have sex with a girl? Just marry the girl. There's no reason for this nonsense. But you get into this stuff and you just get dumb and you're not seeing things that are obvious to everyone else like she's trying to kill you. So he tells her everything. No razor has ever been used in my head because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I'd become weak as any other man. Anyway, the story goes on. She shaves his head. And uh, in verse 21, the Philistines seize him, gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza, binding him with brown shekels shackles, and they set him to grinding grain in the prison, all right? But the hair on his head began to grow again after he had been shaved. Hello? <laughs> I don't know who's not paying attention. The last time he had long hair, this was very bad for us. I would keep him very trimmed, all right, Zzz, like Pastor Markey. But no, nobody's paying attention. His hair starts to grow. No one's paying attention. What a bunch of dorks. So I got to hurry up. I'm out of time. Anyway, so anyway, the rulers of the Philistines assemble to offer great sacrifice to Dagon, their god. Oh, Dagon. Our god has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. And when the people saw him, they praised their god. Say, our god has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. And when they were high in spirits, they shouted, bring Samson out to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. Now, he wasn't dancing and juggling cats or anything. It just meant they would make him do humiliating things, and they would laugh, and they would laugh at him. 
And when they stood him among the pillars, Samson says to the servant who held his hand, put, put me where I can feel the pillars of the temple, uh, that support the temple, so I can lean against them. Now, the temple was crowded with men and women. There's thousands of them. And all the rulers of the Philistines were there. All the brain trusts of this mighty army are in one spot. Okay? And then up on the roof, there's 3,000 men and women watching Samson be humiliated. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just one more. And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Because he's still mad. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on one, his left on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might. And down comes the, the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus, he killed many more when he died than while he was alive. Now, this is all very bizarre, very archaic. There's not a whole lot of spiritual anything in any of this stuff. It's just from the get-go, God knew who this guy was going to be. And he used him despite of his problems and his issues to take the boot of oppression off of Israel. Because now, all the brain trusts, all the leaders in one spot all die, and the Philistines left the Israelites alone. Of course, inevitably, they'd start doing evil again, and the cycle would continue. Now, I don't know uh, where you're at today. You, there's three categories that we can address. One is maybe you are struggling with things in your life, and you're thinking, you know, God can never do anything good with me. I've made mistakes. I've, I've had failures. You know, we, we get very conscious of our own uh, faults and, and whatever. Uh, but always know that God, one thing that you, as you read these people, have you noticed how imperfect some of them are? Some of them are crazy. Really crazy people. No self-esteem. Gideon, you know. All, but yet God can use anybody if you'll just be willing. Now, he'll help you with your issues and show you how to be victor victorious over them. But don't think your sin or your struggles will keep you in a place where God won't have anything to do with you. God will help anybody who reaches out to him. That's the good news. Maybe you're like Samson. At one time, you were very devout, and then you fell away, and... You're a big mess. You feel like you're in chains. Your eyes have been put out. You're a slave to life. Even if you're in a fallen place from where you once were in your faith, the good news is this morning you can get back to where you were. We have a God who's so willing to forgive if you just reach out to him. Or maybe you've never taken a step of faith and asked Christ into your life. We're going to pray a prayer together. And as we pray this prayer together, wherever you're at, Use this opportunity to get right with God and ask Him into your life to set things right with Him. And if you'll pray this prayer with all of your heart, especially if you've never done something like this, you can take your first steps of faith today. Whether you're here in Green Bay, whether you're watching me on television right now, the internet all over the world, at our campuses over at Appleton or Stevens Point, here's an opportunity. Just take a moment. Turn your heart to God and let Christ into your life. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. And that you love me so much, you went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. I now surrender myself to you. Amen. I'm going to ask all the ushers of the campuses here as well to come forward. We're going to get ready to serve communion. Uh, you don't have to be a member of Celebration Church. If you want to join with us in communion, you certainly can. We invite anybody who would like to do that with us. As we reflect now on the fact that Jesus died on the cross for us, 
His blood was shed so we could have forgiveness of sins. His body was broken so that we could be made whole. Amen.